Hey there, readers and listeners of Goldmine. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine and goldminemagazine.com. And welcome back to the podcast, the Goldmine Magazine podcast. And today we have a, a great guest, one of the most famous autograph seekers that's ever been around. His name is uh, John Brennan. And John, during the early 80s, late 70s started collecting autographs he was a record collector and then he had to uh get autographs or mostly the whole band for that specific album that he would get and he came to meet a lot of musicians a lot of rock musicians they got to know him and he would get access and he, he was smart enough to also take photographs with the artist to to uh verify authenticate that autograph and he's collected he's collected for well over a decade um, and he also has everyone from Eric Clapton to Nirvana and he's going to talk to us a little bit about um, his latest auction and it's called the John Brennan Collection and it will be with Boston-based RR Auction and it's this week in fact this podcast is May 15th and it ends may 17th but what's relevant here is that he will have more auctions in the coming months with rr auction now these are some great pieces he has about 500 lots and it's everything from guitars to posters to like we said before or like i said before record albums uh, the sleeves of the record album and we'll be right back after this message and we'll talk to john Hey, I'm Ronald Webb, and this is Patrick Prince. And together we host the Goldmine Radio Hour, the show that features the latest issue of Goldmine. The Music Collector's Magazine. Tune in Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on CygnusRadio.com. Hey, John, it's Pat Prince from Goldmine. How are you, man? Hey, good morning, Pat. Nice to meet you. I'm doing well. So hey, you're, familiar, you're familiar with Goldmine. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Uh, but I wanted to ask you. You know, I I was reading your your bio. How you first got into, you know, first you were into record collecting, but then all of a sudden, something happened where you just started getting an interest. It went from record collecting to autograph collecting. Well, and, it didn't go. It didn't go from record collecting to autograph collecting. It went from collecting records and listening to them to collecting my records to get them signed. It gotcha. Was it didn't, I wasn't so much caring about autographs um, as much as I was caring about getting my copy of um, Aerosmith Rocks signed. I didn't care. When I first started, it was about getting Kiss to sign Kiss Alive or Aerosmith signing my copy of Rocks or or um, Zeppelin signing anything, really, um, you know, uh, physical graffiti, uh, or, you know, the Stones signing um, Exile on Main Street. Uh, those were, you know, that's what it was. It was my records <clears throat> listening of Van Halen signing 1984, you know. Got it. So, you know, I'm into the minutia thing. So when you packed up, would you carry the actual record in its sleeve, or would you just take the sleeve? Down to Manhattan. Oh, no, I took the, took the, always took the records out of the sleeves. It was too heavy. Gotcha. That always, makes... Yeah, left the records at home, left the vinyl at home, 
And you know, for years, um, you know, sometimes I would lose the record sleeves in the process of all action. And uh, so for years, you know, I had a lot of records at home that had lost sleeves, but um, <laughs> I still had the records. So I remember a, la a while back, I was looking at my Judas Priest, and there was like a white vinyl in there, and cover was long gone. So I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Well, did you? So you probably had a um, an army of sharpies in that backpack too, right? <laughs> did you use yeah. Did you use sharpies? What kind of was that? The the ink the first, of choice. The first the first real pen after I um, figured out what to do. I mean, some of my earliest autographs were on like box markers or ballpoint or or even some really bad silver paint pens and some sharpies and. Once we figured out what really looks the best, we were using something called a vis, -a -vis which mm. is no longer, they no longer make them. That was like the best autograph pen, uh, the blue vis, -a -vis. And uh, that that whole thing became immortalized about people that were autograph collectors that were using blue pens. As um, you know, that's the whole mythological thing amongst many celebrities is blue penners. I think Pearl Jam mentioned it actually in lyrics. Hmm. And uh, that's like the myth you may see around about blue pens, blue penners. Um, but uh, uh, that's more of an autograph myth. For me, it was always about getting my records signed. That was the first and foremost goal. What, was, is, the, you know, what was the first record that you said, I got to get this signed? What was the first one? Well, um, Do you remember? Or were there well, several? When they first started doing this, I was trying to meet Van Halen and um, Aerosmith, and um, those were some of the first experiences that came up that got really got me, you know, excited. I remember I was in Shelton and Van Halen where we were staying in New Haven for a concert. I think that was on Diver Down, and I was making attempts trying to meet them. Was that New Haven Coliseum they were playing? Yeah, yep. So you probably ha you probably hung out uh, New Haven Coliseum waiting for them to come out. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I remember many times uh, sleeping outside on the sidewalk in New Haven Coliseum trying to get concert tickets. Right. <laughs> and you know sometimes you would wait by the the garage or or there was only like the one hotel in town. So I remember one time I drove by that and they were actually there and. Uh, um. You know, I tried then. I mean, that was the, the first autograph ever was in 79. It just so happened that I was on vacation with my family. And I wasn't a big punk rock fan yet, but I knew who the talking heads were. And they were playing across the street. So while I was on vacation, you know, okay, let me go to a concert. Went the con across the street from where I was staying was the talking heads and B-52s. And then, you know, I got a playbill from that concert. And sure enough, you know, the next morning I got up and the B-52s were staying in my hotel. So I was like, oh, wow. And I ran <laughs> back to my room with the playbill. And, you know, that was just a natural impulse because you know, I was already collecting records and I was collecting coins and stamps from whatever my parents, you know, trying to keep me busy when I was super young. So, you know, so it was stuff like that, baseball cards. I was collecting, doing scrapbooks when I was young, you know, there was some sports. And then when I got into KISS, was like the first thing that you know made me go nuts was Kiss Alive when I heard the bombs going off in Deuce. Mm. That was was that was literally the the you know the explosion that changed my world 
for me in 1975. That was my um, Beatles landing at JFK moment. You know, that was the, oh my God, it's Kiss. That really, that was that was the thing that just completely changed it, changed everything. There was no turning back. I didn't know it then, but there was no turning back. So as you got into it, there must have been, and reading your story, you must have thought of several people, like you thought of Harrison, George Harrison, that like these people are the, the hardest autographs to get. And then you set your, you set goals, didn't you? Um, to get these autographs. Yeah. Uh, well, it was all, it was all based around the records. You know, I had right. the records. I was collecting records. I was insatiable with buying records. I was in gold mine. I was shopping with some of those companies I mentioned. I was at every record store from the drugstore down the house from my, down the street from my house. You know, I think that's where I actually bought Aerosmith Rocks. That was probably like 11 or 12. Mm. You know, there's like the drugstore there and there's cards and medicine and all that stuff. In there, but there was records. Mm. And uh, oh, and that's where I found my earliest record was like just this little drugstore. And then after that, it was insanity. You know, I just I couldn't stop it. It was based on the music. And when I'm finding trying to find the Beatles or the Stones or whatever, you know, eventually I was behind the tour bus, um, Van Halen or U2, and that took me to New York. And then I'm in New York. I see a few other people standing around, and I'm like, oh, my God. And once I got there, that was, I was back and forth as much as physically possible. Well, I mean, you tell the story about how you, you finally uh, met Harrison uh, in an airport, and he was he was a little bit uh, freaked out at first because, obviously, what happened to John... <laughs> Um, but you're, you're a very personable person. You could, you know, I've never met you, but from what I read, it seems like these guys felt safe around you. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, I was always easy for me to just get right into the thing about the music and stuff. And that, that's, um, that was what my thing was. I, I can't really say specifically why they are the way they are were or are but um you know not everybody i guess that approaches them has the same thing but with me i've made it pretty clear from the start that you know i'm standing there holding my records and you know and i just always was like you know hoping they're going to sign my records and i could always talk about the music because you know usually that's all that was going on in my life was the music so it was pretty easy usually to try to talk to someone about the music and stuff. I mean, with George, you know, he was very aloof and very reclusive. So, you know, I was very, um, I don't know. Did, I just, you know, let him come over to me. Really? Oh, so he saw you with, hanging out with records and he, um, he figured he put two and two together. <laughs> Yeah, I mean he 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 was he was a, he was a decent guy to meet him. He was just really reclusive. Right? Um, Did he really say to you um, when you first met him? Um, after you asked for an autograph, he says, "As long as you're not going to kill me." Is, well, is... the time he was recording with Eric Clapton in New York after he left, and I was waiting for him, and he saw me, you know. I was standing far away, and I called over to him, and that's what he said to me. 
and then I then I was able to approach him. Wow, that sounds that's really chilling. But um, you can understand him being worried, you know. Um, but after a while, it must have gotten around that uh, you were you were cool. Uh, must have gotten around to the the performers, right? They knew who you were, um, and probably told other performers, other musicians that you know you just wanted to autograph, right? Um, I I guess um, mm. for the most part, I mean, it was pretty obvious, you know, that um, sometimes they knew they were outside and sometimes they didn't, but um, you know, usually they 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 would know or. And um, one time I was going for Guns N' Roses, and um, oh boy, I really, <laughs> I was, I I was and am still. I was like really obsessed with them. I was that was one of the bands that, you know, um, and in the eighties, um, and I really collected them hard. So I was going for them, and I had pretty much everything, every import, every picture disc every poster sleeve every colored vinyl original copies of the band <laughs> cover i had i had everything and i was going for them once i was with flash and duff and i think flash wasn't in the mood this was in the 80s and um and duff starts telling him you know and he's a trooper man come on you know so duff was telling him you know that uh you know this guy's all right you know look yeah. you know cause I, everything and you know and i could just talk about any song or or anything you know so yeah duff seems duff is a fan you know he uh i think duff gets it more than anyone in that uh group um i love slash as far as guitar but i've heard that some of them aren't as approachable um the funny thing over the the years like became very close with slash and became very friendly to me later on after he realized I was, you know, I mean, you know, it was, the smile right. was on my face. I mean, it was so, you know, and I was always there, always, always there. I traveled everywhere. After a while, they realized, you know, this guy is legitimate. He's a real great fan. And so after a while, he became really nice to me and, you know, to be able to get tickets and stuff. And, but, you know, nowadays things have changed so much that it's, you know, everything is different. I mean, it's just not the same. It doesn't seem to be a ground roots thing anymore. Yeah, I know. I, I grew up in uh, the same time period, and I noticed the same thing. And, and uh, you know, musicians were a lot more accessible. You felt like you were part of a, um, you know, a movement or a gang. You know what I mean? You were you were part of it. Um, now it's it's gotten into the mainstream so much that they're celebrities just like any other celebrity and um it is different and i think when once once the uh the ability to make money off the music was gone and they yes. had to find way to make money off other things that was the advent of the meet and greets to kind of circumvent yep. people making money on their um independently yeah. so now, now they control it <clears throat> and um you know in some some ways, in many ways, there's kind of like a, almost like a hypocrisy going on where, you know, a lot of people used to say one thing about selling, and now they're selling themselves. So, um, it's weird because I can remember just going up to them, uh, uh, different musicians after a show, 
you know, um, having beers with them. <laughs> now, now I get um, stuff where, you know, I got to wait in line for a meet and greet. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not into it. Um, it just doesn't feel natural. Yeah, someone the other day I spoke with used the word organically. Yes. Yeah, you know, in, in many days, times, I, I always use the reference that what we did was kind of like a scene out of The Hard Day's Night. It was rapidly insane, chasing everywhere. And, yeah. You know, we run, up to the, we run up to the train window, and the Beatles run out the other side into the car, and or even uh, he tried to use that reference again, I guess, with Band on the Run a little bit. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, that's just really, you know, because David Cassidy, right? What, what was it like in 72 or whatever for, for David Cassidy or the Bay City Rollers? Or, you know, and I was doing this as a kid. I mean, when I was younger, I was going for all my hard rock bands. I mean, a lot of times I'd run into the <clears throat> first thing was Duran Duran. Right. And it was two kids on the block. And it was in sync. Uh, Backstreet Boys. It's just been one after another, and I was always kind of out there seeing it because, you know, we'd be trying to go meet Aerosmith or Metallica, and, mm. you know, then there's uh, that that thing going on down the street with, like, 500 girls, so, yeah, you know, still alive and well. Now it's Justin Bieber or uh, whoever, you know. Well, I, I had your same sort of uh, instinct. Um, uh, like you said, you knew Nirvana was going to be big. I had the same instinct with... Uh, them and Metallica, and I think you were the same way with Nirvana. And uh, like you said, Kurt was very friendly to you, but uh, Dave was Dave was kind of difficult. Yeah, I mean Dave was more you know if you look into him, I mean he was, he was uh, the punk rocker, right? And from from DC, <clears throat> and he was more you know grumpy about it. Um, and Chris. Chris was kind of in the middle, I guess. But um, Kurt, you know, again, you know, I was going after them because I heard, I heard the stuff and I really dug it. And uh, yeah. they were, you know, they exploded onto the scene. And um, you know, they were more. They were out of all the Seattle stuff. They were like the the musicians, musician type thing. They were the one probably respected the most because his was so so unique and so much different. And not not so much the classic rock thing like some of the other ones. Well, the secret was in the sauce. He was influenced by everything from, you know, Bowie, uh, New Wave, to punk, to heavy metal, everything. I mean, those guys were influenced by everything. And so it became eclectic. And it could pretty much, uh, you know, anybody, someone would like at least one of their songs. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Same thing for, in a way, Metallica, because they they were into punk, they were into, uh, obviously, new wave of British heavy metal, uh, but they were also into classic rock, They're, you know, so it was, there was a lot going on there. Um, I think that, um, I wonder if Dave Grohl is the same now. Um, no, he's He's not, right? No, 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 he became totally much more... Um, assimilated into the mainstream right yeah much more friendly and you can see he plays with everybody he's very very um he's even like the he was one one year he was like the chairman for record store day right 
um, just super cool, you know, rock, rock and roll. And I mean, I always have a connection with uh, him because, I mean, when I met Nirvana uh, for their second appearance on Saturday Night Live, I gave them uh, T-shirts for the store I was shopping at in Connecticut called Secret Sounds. Yeah. The reference there is that Secret Sounds shirt actually made the cover on Dave's back. Yeah. Uh, Muddy the Wishka, he wore the shirt. So, because, um, you know, that's what he was. He was totally into the whole the whole rock and roll thing. So, I mean, all, all um, for, so for for a lifetime, you know, I'll always be able to say, hey, Dave, yeah, I'm the guy that gave you that shirt. In fact, you know, I used to see. Wait, wait, Gwen. I used to see these guys, a lot of musicians, if you went to uh, Manhattan on 8th Street, uh, I think it was called It's Only Rock and Roll, or it's. Um, it was like a little boutique shop, novelty shop. Yeah. Do you yeah, remember? remember. Yeah. Yeah. They, they would shop there, and you'd see them coming out. <laughs> yeah, Guns N' Roses used to be all the time. They were wearing the shirts. Yeah, exactly. So my question to you now is, um, when did it stop? When did you stop um, getting autographs? How did that happen when you said, okay, my collection is... is I feel it's good enough. Um, or are you still doing it in some way? I pretty much don't go out too much anymore just because, like you said, the collection was more than satisfied. Yes. But in a while, there's uh, still stuff I may go out for. Not too much, but I mean, the environment's changed so much. It's very difficult to create a situation of positive communication out there there's just so much going on so much negativity and um just too many people all the time anyway right but so um but it is cool that they're releasing records again so hopefully some of the younger kids will yeah you know buy records and and enjoy the the you know the collecting aspect again but for the most part there's just a lot of people that want to meet people just to meet them right right take self take selfie or right or just, you know, cash in a quick buck or stuff but i mean um it's changed a lot well do you, i mean do you still keep in touch with some of these musicians or did it has it been just um you haven't been well, in that's the ones that i really um I was interested in, you know, for the most part, they're just not around too much anymore. And if they are, there's like just no access. Or the crowds are too big. Right. I mean, I'm always, I'm always going to see Guns N' Roses in concert when they're around. So um, I, I went to see them a lot. Um, or um, Eric Clapton, um, the Rolling Stones when they're around. Um, um, and some of the worst. Some of the newer bands, there's some good new bands out there. But it's, I mean, you were pretty good with the Rolling Stones. I mean, you've met Keith Richards a ton of times. You, he lives in Connecticut. Um, you know, you've met, uh, obviously, Mick. You gave him a ride. <laughs> you were like his taxi. Um, yeah, you see Keith around in New York um, because, like you said, he lives in Connecticut, so he's still around. Yeah, uh, and most of the other ones are just not around nearly as much as they used to be. Um, Mick isn't so much here like he was in the old days. 
Would um, they remember you, you think? Um, I think so, yeah. yeah. I, I know some of them remember me. Some some of these people know me well when they see me. Now, what made you decide to start um, auctioning off some of these autographs? Because um, you got, I mean, you got some great stuff here. The the cherry red Rolling Stones guitar. I mean, yeah, that's... that was signed like twenty years ago. I mean, I had this stuff. I was just, you know, it was like children, or um, you know, a lot of the stuff is just collecting. When you're a collector, you know, sometimes yes. you have to pull back. You know, yeah. pull back. Um, chase is better than the catch. It was always so much easier to be in the chase because the chase has so much adrenaline. It's addicting. It was wild to be out there. Yeah. You know, and then for a while, you know, I'm not doing anybody a service by just having these locked up in, in, um, in different spots all for, for the rest of my life. So it's like, you know, kind of like I'm enjoying telling the stories now and getting, getting something out of that too. Um, so that's a good point, John, because you can make someone's life instead of it just st sitting in storage. That cherry red guitar could really bring a lot of joy to a new collector, especially, God, anyone from you know any age and, group. And that, and the fact that there's so much nonsense out there that can't be, um, you know, backed up and verified. So right. I mean, I'm more than happy to verify what I did and. And that I was there, and, I, and the stories are there, so you can give people the stories, the experience, plus you can give them security that they're buying from someone that can actually tell the stories and show you the pictures. And well, you were and, smart uh, to take photos with uh, after the autograph. You were that was a smart thing before before the selfie was the selfie, right? You took photographs to prove that you were there. Well, yeah, they kind of call us the king of the selfies, even though we weren't doing selfies. But we were, to me, it was, it was to me, it was, yeah, I mean, I had to get my album signed. But at the same time, I really had to get a photo with Eddie Van Halen. You know, I'm listening to Fair Warning 12 hours a day. And, and you know, I was like, a, you know, I was uh, part of the cult. Right. Uh, it, of the music cult and I was possessed by this stuff. It was it was my alcohol, it was my food, it was my drugs and that was my drug, so I was possessed by that. So when I met him, yeah, I want my album signed and I want a photo with him. Huh. And then, you know, those days we would get a photo with him on, on my um camera, right? With a thirty five millimeter film yeah. or the one ten or whatever crap was available. So then, you know, I get the photo with him, and then, oh, God, I got to speed home from New York. I got to actually go to bed, right? It's in the camera. I got to go to bed. Then the next day, I'll speed over to Milford Mall, and I'll drop the film off. Then I got to wait another day or whatever it was back then to get the picture back. And then the second you're opening that envelope with the pictures, you, like, don't even want to pay. You're, like, ripping the pictures out, you know, oh, there it is. There's me and Eddie Van Halen. Yes. It was so much different compared to the way it is now. I mean, if oh, you yeah. go through the experience, now you take a picture on the selfie. I mean, I've heard these kids out there saying, oh, hold on a minute. It doesn't look good. Let's do another one. Yeah. You know? You know, back then you didn't know. So, I mean, I have blurry pictures. And, you know, imagine what it was like getting a picture with George Harrison in 1988. You had to wait. Knowing you may never see him again to wait to get it back to make sure it came out. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a lot different in those days. 
Yeah, no, I can imagine. Yeah, I'm looking at the George Harrison now. It's a little blurry where whoever took it was focusing more on the the background than than you guys. But it is proof that you got it with him. You you got the autograph. You you, you met him. So that's it's fantastic. I almost enjoy the old shots, you know, obviously more, um, even though the quality's not not necessarily there. Um, now I wanted to ask you. Obviously, you're cherry picking what what you want to put on up for auction. You're not gonna you're not doing your entire collection. I mean, you got 500 lots, um, and it's gonna end in May. Um, the thing. Yeah, and the thing I wanted to ask is, I, I heard that you in coming months that you're gonna put more items up for auction. Is that true? Yeah. How do you go about that process? Do you have an idea of what you're gonna actually put up for auction next uh, in your head, or do you write it all down? What? How does that work? Uh, I don't really write anything down. It's kind of like I'll start looking at things and decide some things that are in the auction was like really difficult for me to pull out, and then there were other things that was like, yeah, no problem. And, and everybody that looks at this stuff is going to have a different feeling as to what they think is this or that or the other thing, you know? Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, going forward, um, you know, I'm going to pull out some different stuff and definitely bring putting Nirvana photo out. That wasn't too easy. I've had that staring at that so long from when I got it signed. Oh, and it's so message. classic, too, that what Dave said. Um, that was the last time I met. That was the last time I met them as a band. That was uh, right before they taped the uh, MTV New Year's Eve um, taping at the end of '93. I was in Seattle when he signed that, um, and they were uh, they had just came back from the tour, and I caught him, and that's when um, he. I guess he was standing around. You know, you, out of nowhere, he just starts writing that, and I'm like, Phew. you gotta admit that was pretty funny. If there's one thing that would put me on the brink of total insanity, it would definitely be signing autographs all bleeping day long. <laughs> he's like, he's taking a, you know, a, a kind of friendly shot at you, um, but you know, uh, it's funny nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, you know, we're caught in the moment. We didn't even. You know, I didn't even. That's going to make it more appealing for uh, a buyer, I think. Um, well, it certainly, it certainly, it certainly is what Nirvana was. You yeah. Know, you know, they were like the slap in the face of what what was going on at the time. You know. Little did Dave, up, little did Dave know that he would have meet and greets where he would have to sign autographs all day long. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, I wish you all the luck in the auction. All right, John, take care, man. We'll be talking to you. Hey, bro, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, John. Bye now. Thanks, John Brennan. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And I'm sure people will be psyched to check out your items up for auction if you go to rrauctions.com. And you'll be able to view some of the stuff that's up for auction in the next few days. And remember... There will be plenty more coming in the probably in the next few months. So 
keep on the lookout on that site and Goldmine will probably be reporting on it if you go to goldminemag.com you'll see in the news and don't forget to pick up Goldmine print edition on the newsstands at Barnes and Noble and Books a Million and that's all for now we'll see you next podcast and I just wanted to say before we go that uh, I wanted to clear up last podcast I mispronounced a musician's name uh, the guest uh, Mike Portnoy. Uh, I was saying Mike Portnow, and I've been pronouncing it Mike Portnow for years upon years, decades even, when he was in Dream Theater. My bad. Uh, I got some cl- complaints from uh, fans, but they understood, and my apologies. So take care and see you next time, Goldmine readers and listeners. Bye bye now. <laughs>